title is actually Perseverance. And I, I think uh, topics to preach on, um, but it's also a hard one to preach on because perseverance implies that there's something hard that you're going through. Because right? if you don't have resistance, then you don't really have anything to persevere through. It's, it's just, you know, if you're just walking through life, it's, it's, uh, you're walking through life. So there's nothing to, nothing to, to, uh, to cause resistance. And uh, let's just uh, stop and pray for a quick minute. I know we pray a lot in the morning, it seems like, on Sunday mornings. But uh, it's all right. Let's do that. Let's, let's pray again. Heavenly Father, we just thank you this morning. Lord, we thank you for, for being here. We thank you for being present. We thank you for giving us uh, the, the strength to persevere, giving us the tools we need and the people we need to surround our, uh, us with to persevere through the hard things in our lives. We thank you for people that pray in our lives. Holy Spirit, I just pray that, you, again, you would take control of every part of the service. Lord, take control of these words. Take control of this, this sermon. If it's not what you want preached, throw it out and give me something new in Jesus' name. Lord, I just pray that, again, that you would be at the the center of everything we're doing here. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, Kate, why don't you go and throw up that first picture so people can kind of mull it over. The, I have three points in, in the sermon, and actually some of you may have heard this before. I, I have, I've preached a similar one. This is, this is tweaked, and, and once you've pastored for a while and preached for a while, pretty much you, you, you preach the same topics over and over again. And, uh, um, but, but God always reveals new things, and, and I'm always learning and, and polishing as I, as I study and, and as I preach more. And, and um, That's a pretty confusing picture, isn't it? We've got, uh, is it four or is it three? I don't know if you can see that. It's kind of pixelated. I don't know. What do you, what do you guys think? Four? Both? Depends on the point of view. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, it's breaking your brain, isn't it? Look at it. Like, what's going on? Well, that leads me to my first point. The first point is perspective. You know, how how we look at things is absolutely important because obviously when. You're, or maybe it's not obvious, but when you're in different points in life, okay, if you're, you're uh, maybe you're older, you've got more experience, you've lived through more things, your perspective is going to be different than maybe someone that's younger and doesn't have as many experience uh, points in their life. They haven't seen as many things, they haven't experienced as many things. So perspective is everything. I mean, if you look at, go ahead and throw the next image up there. It's a similar one. All right, is it a, it's a, is it a six or is it a nine? It's all about perspective. Or is it a G? <laughs> Always got to be someone to throw a third option in there, right? That's like, what is it? Where, where's Bella? Bella's, Bella's my third option or fourth option. If you give her four options, she'll find a fifth one that she'll come out with. Can I have this instead? All right, so is it, a, is it a six or it is a nine? So perspective, God's perspective, he can see it from all the angles. That's, that's, the, that's one of the big differences that, that I think is important to, to, to realize when we're, when we're studying, when we're praying, when we're thinking about the hard things that we go through in our life, it's important to realize that God's perspective is perfect. Ours is not. Ours is extremely flawed. It's kind of like trying to figure this out because we're standing on the wrong side. Or I don't know if you've ever seen, I couldn't find the picture, the picture again, but there was a, a picture of three blind men, and they're feeling this thing in front of them. It's, it's big, you know, this, this giant 
monstrosity in front of them. One of them's feeling it, and they say it's a, it's a post. And another one feels it, and they say, well, I, I'm feeling something kind of fur, you know, not furry, but, but pokey over here, so I think it's a, it's a cactus. And then the other one is like, I don't think it's either of those things. And, and he has a third option, and it ends up it's an elephant. You know, they're, they're all feeling this elephant's leg. So, it, it, again, it's a matter of, of perspective. Go and throw another image up there. These ones are a little different, I think. That's like one of those uh, therapist images, the ink, ink blots. What do, you, what do you see when you first look at it? Two horses and birds, okay. A transformer? Awesome. All right, throw the next one up. <laughs> Which one do you see? You see the Eskimo? It's kind of like, yeah. And you see the face too, okay. All right, go and throw the next one on there. Go through the next ones a little quicker. Uh, young lady or old lady? Bernie's. <laughs> uh, throw the next one on there. There's. There's quite a few pictures in that one. You see the trees, you see the face. But do you see the? Do you also see the? There's like a like a lady, I think, sitting there. A person sitting there. There. <laughs> and and I think was there one more. I think that's another one of the, it's a, either a lady, a lady facing away. You can see the the young lady facing away, I think, and then, and then if you look this way, there's a chin and a nose. If you look, so it depends. Again, it depends on your perspective. How do you see it? We both are looking at the same image, image, and some of us are seeing one thing, and some of us are seeing something different. It's it's a it's a matter of perspective. You know, when it comes to things of the Lord, and this is this is one of the the hard points of of perspective and, and, and trust, trusting in God, is that we've really got to be fully immersed into the things of God. I, I don't know if, if you're the type of person, if you, when you, uh, I know when I was young, I was definitely the, 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 the toe tipper, but if, if you had a pool, you know, and you're going to jump into the pool, I was definitely one of the people that would take my toe and I would dip it, and I'd be like, nope, it's too cold, I'm not going in. I used to annoy my parents, um, I think, or at least my brother, and uh, tip my toe again. And then my brother, he'd just run in and be like, and, and he's, you know, he's in the water. He didn't care. Um, but I would constantly, you know, that, that's, that's what I needed to test it because I want to know, is, is this going to be okay? Am I going to be able to handle it? And, and we really don't get that option with God. In fact, Pastor Mike stated this. It was a couple months ago now. He was talking about uh, some of us want to balance God in our lives. Like we, we, we only can have so much of him. There is no balance. It's, it's either 100% or it's none. Okay, it's all or nothing. 100% God, 
He takes over every facet of our lives, and that may seem hard. It is, I mean, it is kind of hard to give up everything of yourself, but, but that's, we, we need to be all in. There is no balance. There's no need for balance. 100% God. God sees all the angles. He sees all the possibilities. He sees every eventuality, every outcome, infinite perspectives. They're all covered by God. He can see things different than we can. He can see the future. He can see the past. He can see it all. He's never caught unaware, off guard. He sees everything. Hebrews 4, 12 through 13 says, For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him whom we must give account. Nothing catches God unaware. And, and that applies to everything. It's not just, I know a lot of people take that scripture and it's, it's like the sin in our life is exposed. Of course that is. God sees everything we do. So that's the sin. But that's also all the stuff we're struggling with. He sees the hurt. God sees the loss. He sees the fear. He sees the struggle. He knows the job, maybe it is, that you've been praying for or hoping for. He knows the healing that you've been looking for, that you've been praying for. He's aware of the relationship that you're believing in. He knows the finances that you need. He knows all of these things. None of these things catch God unaware. It's not like God is up there and, and we pray, and then God's like, oh, I didn't, you know. No, he knows these things are happening. He's watching them. And again, that's another hard point about, about you know, persevering through the hard things in life. Some people, it's the knowing. This is kind of, hard. This is kind of a tongue or a brain twister a little bit. For some people, it's the knowing that God knows that makes it really hard to have faith in God. We know that God sees the hurt. He sees the problems. He sees the stress. He sees the struggle. He sees the pain. He sees the abuse. He sees all the things. And, and, and since we know that he knows these things, it makes it hard to trust that, that, that he's going to heal or he's going to fix it or he's going to, that he's going to put us in the right direction. You know, I had a friend... Uh, recently that was uh, um, I run into people like this, I would say fairly frequently, but this person was not not happy they were pretty they were hurt about something that happened in their lives, and they were pretty distraught about it and you know they 're not a believer and they're they're talking about how if if there is a God, he obviously just doesn 't care because he 's allowing these things to happen he 's letting this stuff. Happen. He's not doing anything about it from, from his perspective. Because what benevolent, this is a quote from it, what, because what benevolent God would allow this to happen? You know, and obviously he was reflecting on something that, that was really bad that, that he, was, he was experiencing. If God exists and created all of this and allows these things, I don't want to know him. That was, that was what he said. You know, and sometimes it's hard to talk to people like that because I know where I stand with, with what I believe, and I know that God can see it. I know he, he knows the bad things that are happening, and I know he has a plan for it. He's going to make it work. He's going to fix it. The problem is, is that we live our lives in a fog of war. All right, any of my veterans in here, I'm pretty sure know what, what that term means, or, or gamers, video gamers probably know what the fog of war is. But uh, it's, it's the uncertainty of what's ahead. You don't know what the enemy's doing. You don't know what the terrain looks like. You, you, you can't see what's happening. But God, can, he can. He can see all of the pitfalls. He, he can see 
that, uh, that and, and, and again, I'm, I'm not going to try to come up with explain, explanations for, for individual problems that are happening in, 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 a, in a person's life, but, but there's, there is always a plan that God has. We just can't always see it. And God doesn't always share it with us. He doesn't have to. He's God. He can do what he wants. He can share it. He can reveal it if he wants to, but he doesn't have to. What we do know, what we can stand on is what Scripture says. The promises that are in the Word of God are promises that we can stand on. Okay, these are, these are foundational. We, we need to trust. We have to trust. We need to believe. We must have faith in God that he has that plan. So at this point, I do want to have Kelsey come up and read your paper. I think this is a good time before I switch points. And uh, so I'm going to hand this over to you and, and let you let you read. Thank you, Pastor Tyler. Um, so before I read this, I do have to say a couple of things. First of all, I wrote this like a year ago, and I revised it several times. Um, and also, if you know anything about me, you know I do love to write. I write things on Facebook, and I write things in my notes app when I feel inspired. Um, and also, I don't wear dresses, so consider yourself lucky. Um, so I wrote this like a year ago, and it still is very true, and Hannah um, asked me to read it, so here we go. Illness, death, terminal, mortality. As a sick person, these are words I hear almost daily, whether it's doctors, friends, parents, family, even myself. I hear them all the time. I don't say this so you feel bad for me, I say this to show that people are taught to believe that if you are sick, you're sad or suffering all the time. That people should feel bad for people who are sick because they must be suffering. <laughs> that if you're sick, you can't be as happy as someone who isn't. That your life must be so much worse because you're fighting a battle that you may eventually lose. As morbid as that sounds, it is the reality of it. But that doesn't make society's views on sick people any more true. However, today I don't want to talk about sickness or death or even sadness. I want to talk about living proudly and beautifully. Look around you. Pinpoint a person in this room, and I guarantee you that person is or has or will battle something. Because every single one of us is human. No human being can go their entire life without sadness, pain, and suffering. But that doesn't have to be a bad thing. Why do we live in a society where we feel the need to call certain emotions negative? And we try to shut out those emotions because they're labeled unhealthy. What's unhealthy is cutting out pieces of yourself because society labels them bad or wrong or crazy. Everyone feels sadness, happiness, grief, pride, hate, love, etc. That combined with, the wi- with what you choose to do with it is what makes you human. I was in the hospital once. Actually, lots of times, but... <laughs> It was my first time alone. My sister wasn't there, and my parents weren't there. Um, I was very homesick, and I wanted to decorate the room that I was in. I didn't want my room to look like a hospital room. When you think of a hospital, you think of sick and germs and terrible food, (laughs) a place where people go to die. I didn't want that. I didn't want people to feel uncomfortable or bad about my situation. I wanted peace and happiness for everyone that came in. I wanted them to almost forget they were in a hospital. So I rearranged the furniture, filled the walls with artwork, and I made it my own. The point of me telling you this is because I think it's a great metaphor for the way we choose to live our lives. I, couldn't, I could have very well chosen to sit there 
and be sad about my situation, but I didn't. That's what we need to do with our lives. Your life is your hospital room, and you have the choice to make it your own. There are many things you can't control about your own life, but take advantage of the ones you can. Gotta turn my page. <laughs> I couldn't control where I was, but I could control what I did with that. Death is something we can't control. As a sick person, I built that, for lack of a better term, relationship with death. I've accepted it. I've become comfortable with it, and I've realized that no matter how hard you try to pretend it's not there, it's there. It's going to happen, and there's nothing anyone can do about it. Sickness is also something I can't control. I've been sick my entire life. It's all I know, and there's nothing I can do about it yet. Everyone has a hospital room that they can turn into something beautiful by choosing to. I decided it was better for me to make my room my own than just sit there sad, missing my home life. It only takes one decision on your part to make your life beautiful and something you're proud of. And beauty does not mean happiness. It, mean, it doesn't mean satisfaction. Society paints it that way, but that couldn't be more wrong. It means making something positive and worthwhile from what you have. Everyone experiences pain, and everyone experiences happiness, and everyone experiences every emotion in between. So you have to take the sad, the happy, the pain, sickness, health, pity, pride, rich, poor, everything you have, lay it all in front of you, and say, this is what I have, it's all beautiful, now what can I make with it? And when you're able to stop running from the pain, sickness, sadness, death, all the negative or unhealthy stuff, and accept it as a part of you, it's then that you can begin to make a life you're truly proud of. It is then that your hospital room becomes beautiful. I can say I made a life I'm so proud of, not in spite of my illness, but because of my illness. Because of being sick, I've learned ukulele and guitar and now piano, which in turn allowed me to find my love for music. I've become more comfortable with death and sickness, which has allowed me to help others become more comfortable with it, which is good because the more people that are comfortable with it, the less scary it seems. I've been able to learn so much from living as a sick person, and I wouldn't trade that for anything. It's weird to say, but sometimes I'm grateful for it. It's never something I thought I could be happy or content with. That's not to say it's been easy, because it has not. <laughs> but I got to thinking, and I found myself asking why. Why was I told from birth that this was something I was suffering from, or that it was a bad thing? We have to stop letting sick people believe that their life is somehow worse than that of a healthy person. That we can't have a beautiful life until we're cured. That once we're not sick anymore, that's when our life begins. Who says you can't live the life you want and be sick at the same time? It's not your physical well-being that determines how you live. It's your choices that dictate what you make of your own life. Your hospital room isn't where you choose to be, but you can choose what you make of it. Your physical, financial, or social status has nothing to do with the way you choose to live. Everyone is capable of greatness, even those who may seem less fortunate. So leave here today with the knowledge that you can make something with your life, no matter the circumstances. Treat every human with respect and kindness as they too are fighting some battle and trying to make the best of it. But most importantly, live a life you are proud of and make the choice to live beautifully. was beautifully written and uh, also beautifully read. I, I think it's, it, it's an awesome perspective. I like the statement you made about uh, um, 
about the, the hospital room. We all have a hospital room. And whether, whether we're sick or not, um, those, those negative thoughts, negative, negative feelings, bad things that happen can become sort of like that, uh, kind of like that hospital room. And uh, we choose what to, what to make of it and, uh, and, and how we're going to react to it, choose how it, how it handicaps us, I guess, or cripples us, um, or, or don't let it. And I, I think that's what I gathered out of that is don't let it. You know, don't let the hard things in your life stop you from doing the things that you're dreaming to do, that you're called to do, that you, you desire to do. Um, that, uh, that shouldn't hold you back. Because we all have mountains. Everybody's got mountains in their life. Everyone's got mountains in their life. And that takes me to my, my second point, and, uh, and that's the, the, I call it the even-if factor. The even-if factor, if, even if factor. So the first point is, is perspective, being able to see thing, things from God's perspective, being able to see, what, uh, see it the way he sees it, or at least trust that he's got a plan. The even-if factor I'd say is, is kind of a harder point. Um, please believe most of us know the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Um, but there's a, a point I want to make about it. I'm not going to go through the whole story. I'm going I'm to cut it down a little bit. But um, more or less, these uh, three young men were uh, to pay a hefty fine if they didn't bow down before this uh, idol that King Nebuchadnezzar made. Uh, the, the fine was ridiculously heavy. It's your life. If you don't bow down, you're going to die. Pretty, pretty gruesomely, pretty badly. Not cool. Um, and, uh, well, they, they refused to bow down. And uh, anyways, if you go to Daniel 3, uh, 13 through 18, it says, Then Nebuchadnezzar flew into a rage and ordered that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought before him. When they were brought in, Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you refuse to serve any gods or worship the gold statue I have set up? And verse 15 says, I will give you one more chance to bow down and worship the statue I have made. When you hear the sound of the musical instruments, but if you refuse, you will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. And then what God will be able to rescue you from my power? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are to be thrown, or if we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. And this is the part that I think is, is key right here. Verse 18. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue that you have set up. Even if. You know, that uh, uh, point that, that, that I see out of that, I, I feel like there's, this is really a pivotal thing in our in our walk with Christ because again we all have hard things that we run into we all have we all have the, the the struggles that we run into and 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 I would say in the church capital C I mean I'm talking worldwide I'm not talking necessarily here um, but uh, as the church I, I believe there's there's kind of a, a sickness that has grown in the church world and that's this this show me attitude God has to show us before we're willing to trust in him. He has to prove it to us before we're willing to believe that the things that are in Scripture are true. Uh, I, I think he's uh, more than proven himself, um, but uh, that apparently doesn't seem to be enough for, for the greater part of the church, it seems like. And, and, it's, and it seems this, this thought process is, is spreading so much that we pray for something and we expect that it's going to happen exactly the way we prayed for it. And this is the way it's almost like a, like a Burger King you know, style mentality. We drive up to the to the, the checkout window, and if it's not there in, you know, in, in 30 seconds, actually, I, th- I think it's more like a three-second thing, isn't it? It's, uh, what is it, at McDonald's? You have like 10, less than 10 seconds, otherwise uh, 
it, it messes with the uh, the metrics for their uh, their 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 stats anyway. Is it 30 seconds? Well, we expect God to have this thing signed, sealed, delivered, and done because we prayed for it. You know, I'd say one thing that's really important to note about these three young men is is their reserve or their resolve to stand their ground even if. They don't care. They know they're going to get thrown to the fiery furnace. They know they're most likely going to die. That's not, that doesn't sound like a very great way to die, burning to death. But even if God doesn't show up, we have to trust. We have to believe so much so that even if, even if we never get that healing that we've been praying for, I'm going to serve the Lord. Even if we never get that job that we, that we so badly want, I'm going to continue to serve the Lord. Even if we lose every penny that we have, we're not going to bend. Even if the closest to us get sick, pass away, we pray for them, healing doesn't come in the form or in the way that we expect, we're going to continue to serve the Lord. And I realize these things, these are hard things, these are the things that certainly can rock people's faith. But if your faith is, is just based on, on, on the... Um, I guess on those things, if, if it's based on whether or not God performs in the way you want him to perform, then, then I'd say your faith is a bit misplaced. Because God is so much above us, it's hard to understand, we don't understand what, uh, what he's got in the plans. Not always. Sometimes I think we get a glimpse of it, but a lot of times we don't understand what's in the plans. What, is, what, is God got, what does he have going on? What, how is he fixing this? How is he working in this situation? But even if we're going to continue to serve God. There's actually a scripture, and I didn't, I didn't look it up, but I know it's, it's uh, in, in the New Testament. It talks about how um, many of, I, I would call them, I call them the, our biblical heroes, you know, the heroes from the past, many of them never received their reward in life. Okay, most Christians, we will not receive our reward in this life. For one, what, what good is it anyway? We only live for a little while. I mean, compared to eternity... What, what, what does it matter if we get a big reward here? I would much rather have my reward in eternity where I can enjoy it for eternity. That's, that's where I want to build up my treasures. I don't want to build them up here. It's nice to have comfort here. It's nice to have the things here. It's nice to, to see healings happen and, and see lives changed. Um, and and, and that's, I think that's important. But it's important to build eternity, not, you know, not, the, not, not the present things. So even if what we want doesn't happen, we don't give up. And the third point, the, the, the last point, um, is, to, is to stand. You know, living through hard things a lot of times derails us. And I, and I think that's what the enemy a lot of times does. You know, when I, when I see a, a believer who's on fire for God and then something hard happens, and then now they're no longer doing the ministries they were doing before, or when we're working really hard to, to, to have growth in, in someone's life and, and teaching and then uh, teaching them and they're, they're learning and they're, they're, they're getting involved and then something happens and derails things. I, I really feel that's, that's uh, the, you know, the enemy at work. But I think it's so important that even when we're going through those hard times that we have to, sometimes we just have to, we have to stand. All right, sometimes we have to uh, just, just, I'll even fight back, I would say. I, I, not one to just stay in, in place. I'd, I'd rather push back against the enemy and work, you know, work even harder to uh, to have to have success at whatever whatever is fighting. And uh, 
we get so caught up sometimes, I think, waiting for God to do what, what, uh, what we're praying for. We're, we're waiting for him to heal us before we'll move on. We're waiting for him to answer whatever prayer it is that we have. We're, we're, uh, uh, whatever it is we're believing for. And while we're waiting, we're missing opportunities. While we're waiting, we're missing opportunities to minister. Ephesians 6, 10 through 17, some of you are, I'm sure, are familiar with this. It says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, not if, it says when the day of evil comes, you may may be able to stand your ground And after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. That verse 13 where it says, And after having done everything, to stand. Sometimes that is all we have left to do. We've been praying We've been interceding. We've been you know, fasting. We've been doing everything that we can possibly do. Okay, we've done all the things we can do. All options are now gone. The only thing you have left is to just stand. Right? Stand for the things that, that God has, has promised. Stand on those promises. Believe in those promises. Whether they come in this life or the next. I like the uh, famous words of Rocky Balboa. You know, I, I didn't hear no bell ring. There's, there's always room for, we, we always got enough, enough strength for one more round. You can always handle one more go around. You got to keep fighting. So anyways, in closing, I, I realize some of these things are, are hard to hear, but it's, it's about perseverance. It's about persevering through the hard things. And I wish I could say, all right, this is the reason why these bad things happen, and, and, and this is, this is the, the, the way to solve it, and this is how you can make it better, and you can feel better. And, and the, the, the reality is, is life is hard. None of us are going to make it out of here alive. Right? We're all going to die at some point. It's going to happen. The goal, though, is eternity with Christ. The goal is to bring, bring as many people as we can along with us to heaven all right, so we can enjoy eternity together with the Father. And, and that's, that's really the goal. If we're so earthly-minded, if, we, if we're so focused on the things that are here, we, for one, are never going to be satisfied. We, we become true consumers. And, and all we really focus on is making another buck, and which is just, again, you're spending more life, all right, trying to achieve the, the things that, that you want here, or maybe we're chasing after a relationship, or maybe we're chasing after, whatever it is that we're so focused on here, if it takes, us, or it takes our mind off of, off of Christ, if it, if it takes our focus, if it takes our priorities, put it that way, out of order, I mean, God should be our number one priority, but if it takes God off that number one priority position, then, then it's not—it's not going to be—it's not going to work anyway. It's going to be miserable anyway. It's going to be sad. You're going to be like Kelsey was reading in, in that hospital room without any of the the extra decorations, in, in kind of living living in a, a, a miserable life. I mean, there's things that can make it fun for a while. I mean, there's a lot of interesting things. God made this 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 planet, this uh, this place, beautiful and awesome and astounding. But when we don't have Him, it, it's kind of empty. It, it's kind of sad and bleak, and. Uh, it feels kind of black and white and two-dimensional. But we need to persevere through those things because one thing I do know is that God most certainly has a plan. 
most certainly has a plan. It's, it's hard when we're, when we're counseling someone, when someone comes and shares the hard things, kind of like one of the things that Pastor Mike was uh, praying, the, the, the people he was praying about this morning, and, and we all know people that are in similar situations, that have terminal illnesses, that have sicknesses, that have injuries, um, unexpected things, uh, fi- financial issues, that have you know, cancers, and just the, 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 the many horrible things that we have in this life. You know, not such a, it doesn't seem like such a happy sermon this morning. But I, but I think it is. I think the exciting thing is that God is there, and we're not living for this life anyway. The exciting thing is, is that eternity is beyond imagination. That's one thing I will say about uh, Hollywood, is they seem to do a great job like depicting what hell looks like. I mean, some of the terrible, disgusting horror movies that are out there and stuff like that, they, they seem to have, they have such a vivid imagination of the evil and the terrible things in the world. But no one really does a good job painting what heaven looks like. You know, there, there's, I, I mean, I've seen, like, people, you know, paintings and stuff, and, and there's, I don't think we have a clue how awesome it's going to be. I mean, we're talking beyond imagination. This life is going to be but a wisp of a vapor, and like I said, it's going to be pretty two-dimensional compared to, to, to what heaven's going to be like. But anyways, I want to close, my second closing, I want to close with uh, just a, a little story. As Hannah was sharing when, when, when we, we when, before I started the sermon, um, it, a little bit of a personal testimony. Again, everyone has their struggles and their, and their story, and, and I think sometimes God does allow us to, to see one of the whys or the what fors of, of how things happen or why things happen in our life. And maybe not in all the things. I don't have answers for all the bad things that have happened in my life. And, but, I, but I do think I have the answer for, for some of the things. You know, when you look back at your past and you see the things that you've lived through and, and, and how things line up and how things came out on the other side, you know, and hopefully you'll find it encouraging. But anyway, so short story. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll get through it. And uh, hopefully it'll, it'll be something that'll, that'll help you or maybe encourage you. But um, uh, so this is actually about my wife who's sitting here. So it's, it's, a, it, it's a story that she approved me because, I mean, it has both of us in it. But the beginning, not so much. Anyways, when she was younger, um, and we've had this question before, and some of you have gotten to know us. So you, you probably know that we, we can't have children. But when she was younger, probably, I think you were, what, about 10 or, 10 or 11? around 11, and she was, I, I don't know exactly what you're diagnosed with, but she was told that she wouldn't be able to have children at a pretty young age. And if you knew Hannah before that, she was like middle, Little Miss Mom. Um, if you ask any of her sisters, she was always coddling a baby, or nan- you started nannying at a ridiculously young age. It probably wouldn't even be legal nowadays, um, I'm guessing. But started nannying, taking care of, in fact, I think you had, a, there was a, a one-year-old or a, a, like two-month-old that lived in your bedroom when you were like, well, you weren't you weren't two years, but you were. You were. She was eight years old, and there was a two-year-old that she was kind of you know like taking care of. I mean, she was she was a, a mama bear from a, a very young age, and just had a desire and want, wanted to be a mom. That's you know like if you were to ask her in school, what do you want to be when you grow up? She's like, I want to be a mom. Yeah, that's what I want to do. And. Uh, so that was a big part of her heart. So hearing that news was, was devastating. So if you put yourself in her shoes, um, young lady wants to be a mom, told, well, yeah, it's not going to happen. At least not, uh, not, not in a natural way. And uh, so it was, it was, it was pretty dead. So she went through her teens and adulthood knowing that, that this wasn't a possibility. And she continued praying about it, try, you know, hoping that God would heal her. You know, even going to altar calls occasionally. I know through the years to have people you know pray pray for and uh, for healing. 
And uh, anyways, when we got married, we went in, into, into our marriage knowing that that was going to be a, a struggle because um, we both wanted to have kids. And we, we talked about the various ways we could do that, you know, through a traditional adoption, through foster care, um, or even going to doctors and seeing if there was something we could do to overcome the, you know, the, the, the physical um, issues. So, I guess if you fast forward a little bit, we did start. We did start going to see a doctor. Um, that was that was kind of that was one of the harder part of the stories, actually, because we already went into. It. We knew that that it was going to be a, a, a miracle thing, no matter what. I mean, because even through doing things like traditional adoption and, and foster care, it's, I'd still say it's it's a it's a miracle. I mean, it's a blessing to to have children. It's a blessing to uh, to. Um, be parents. I mean, that, that is definitely a God-given blessing. And there's, there's no guarantee, even doing traditional adoption or foster care, that that, that that'll even happen. Um, and uh, you know, we've obviously been very, very blessed. But um, So went to see a doctor. Doctor started checking her out. Um, I think they went a few different times, did some tests and whatnot. Doctor ends up coming back and saying, hey, I don't know what was going on when you were younger, but you're all set. You can have kids. So... And it was pretty. It was a pretty short and like, there you go, you're yeah. It's self-righted, self-fixed itself. All these years you thought something was messed up. It's not. You're you're all good. So it was a couple. I don't know. Two three months went by. I think something like that. Nothing was happening. Um, you had some different checkups. I know you went a couple of. I feel like you went a couple times in between, and then uh, finally after a few months you mentioned that you know we we were still you know didn't seem like we were making any progress and the doctor kind of nonchalantly was like oh. I'm really sorry. I for, you know, more or less, I forgot to mention, I, I was wrong. The problem that you had when you were younger was, is, is still there. You can't have kids. So that was, I mean, it was like, it, it was, yeah. I mean, it was, and it was, it was kind of devastating in, in a way that it was, it was, one, it was embarrassing because we had, we had, we thought God healed the, the situation and we had, we had announced to people like, you know, God healed us. We're, we're, we're going to have a baby. This is going to be, this is exciting. And then it's kind of like, well, okay, never, never mind. Nope. That didn't happen. So, so there was that. There was the again the sadness, and because we had the excitement, and then the kind of the letdown, and there was just just a lot of things um, that that all kind of hit all at once. And, anyways, I, I believe it was a week or so after that appointment, there was a family camp. So, if you're uh, most of you, I think, are familiar with family camp at Lost Valley every year, the various assemblies of God churches in the north and in the the south. There's two different camps, anyways, in Lost Valley and Gaylord. A lot of the northern churches get together there. We go, it's a week of, of just awesome ministry, morning and night. You can stay there on the grounds. It's really, really a great time. And this particular year, it was uh, Joe Phillips, right? Reverend Joe Phillips. So there was a, a reverend, a, a, a pastor that was up that was going to be speaking. He was the main speaker for the evening. His name was Joe Phillips. He had taught years previous at a kids' camp. He was the main kids' camp you know, teacher, the, the, the preacher for the kids' camp. And Hannah was there and experienced a miraculous healing. Um, in fact, there's clinical evidence of the healing. And um, anyway, she, she uh, was there with her sister. Her sister had some tumors that had grown on her back, was actually uh, impeding her ability to walk. She was possibly not going to make it to camp because either she had surgery and then she wouldn't be able to walk for sure for, uh, for a while until rehab and, and if, if she could because these were like right on her spine. Or she had to wait and deal with the pain and go to camp. So she decided to wait. I believe that was more or less what happened. Um, went to camp, 
and uh, to have fun and then, and then deal with the surgery after. Well, uh, if you are familiar with kids camp, uh, it, it's not like it's a, a pattern and this is just how it works all the time, but a lot of times, you know, the first night is kind of like salvation night, second night is, uh, what goes on the second night? Hmm? Rededications, and then third night's like baptism of the Holy Spirit night, and it's like, you know, it, it, not that these things, I mean, think God, God works how God works, and, and, and uh, things happen pretty awesome every night at camp. And, uh, and it's just, it's a really, really awesome time for kids. So that's my plug for camp. If, if you know kids, or if any of you guys are, are interested, in fact, a bunch of you did a really awesome um, uh, fundraiser for camp a couple weeks ago for Valentine's Day. But anyways, back to the story. They were up front at the altar. Hannah was, had her hands uh, laid on her sister's back, could feel the tumors, because they were, they were big enough, they were protruding. I, I don't know if you could see them, like, through her shirt. You could? Okay, so they were, they, were, they were big. This was not like a small thing. These were big enough tumors. She could feel them. She had her hands on there. Pastor Joe comes over. They're praying. I mean, there's other people, I'm sure, up there getting prayed for. But Hannah's, you know, praying for her, and then the, the tumors, like, she felt them melt away. I mean, they, they were just dissolved, gone. That was it. And they have, they've never came back. She, had, she has evidence. I mean, there is, there is doctor's evidence of them being there and a surgery going to happen. And there's evidence of them being gone. And the doctor's like, I don't know what happened. They're gone. So she experienced this with, with, with Reverend Joe. And, that, and, and so this particular camp, so years later, okay, this is, Hannah and I are married, and we got this news. We, we, we can't have kids, then we can't have kids, and then, you know, so now we're, now we're back on track here. So he's going to be there. She's excited. She, she gets excited. She thinks, you know, believes really in her heart of hearts, like just in her spirit that God is going to heal me at this, this, this meeting. It's, it's going to happen. I just, I just, she just knew it. And she, I mean, she was just so very certain. I remember, I remember her being very excited and just certain that God was going to heal her at this event. And it's not, again, not to say, I'm not saying that Pastor Joe has, like, magical healing, healing powers by any means. You know, God, God the, the, the gifts of the Spirit. In fact, Pastor Mike, I believe, who, if you, if you don't know where he's at, he's up there recording this on video um, in, the, uh, in the dark room up there. <laughs> but uh, Pastor Mike has been preaching on, on fruit of the Spirit and, and gifts of the Spirit. I don't know if you've gotten to gifts of the Spirit yet, but um, gifts of the Spirit, God, God is sovereign. He chooses who he's going to bestow those on, when he's going to do it. And, and sometimes people are used in the gift of healing over and over again. I mean, that's, that, that does seem to happen a lot. If you look in the Christian world, someone that, that healings tend to happen around that person, God tends to use that person for healing. It, it, does, it does seem to happen that way where God uses them over and over again. I don't know why, but I don't, I don't need to. I'm just a soldier you know, carrying out orders. So she thought, you know, God used Pastor Joe before, maybe it heals them now, I'll be healed. I mean, she was just certain. It was more than, it was really a, a, a deep feeling that she had that this was going to happen. So she gets there that night, excited, like waiting, probably not even listening to the sermon, um, I don't know, waiting for altar call to happen, to go up there, get prayed for, and receive this healing, and, uh, you know, and then move on. And uh, anyway, so you went. Altar call happens. She goes up. She gets prayed for, and and pretty much I would I don't know if it was like instant disappointment. And I don't remember when Sandy did she speak to you before or after? It was after. Okay, I thought so. So anyways, uh, so the, so it gets prayed for. Just doesn't feel like anything's changed. Just 
disappointment, pretty much instant disappointment. Um, it didn't happen. You know, went to the back, you know, continued praying, and I believe it was it was sometime around that. I don't know if it was like right, way after or right after, but uh, her sister Sandy came up to her and actually said, you know, I don't, you know, because these are not exactly easy things to talk to somebody about. These are hard things. And, uh, you know, she's like, I, I don't want to make you angry. I don't want to hurt your feelings or, you know, anything. But the, the, the healing that you, th- I don't know exactly how she said it, but the healing that you think you need, you know, the healing for your body, that's not, I don't think God, he didn't tell me to pray for you because God was leading her, leading Sandy, uh, my sister-in-law, to pray for her sister, you know, for Hannah. And uh, I, he didn't tell me to pray for your body to he- be healed. He prayed for a healing of the heart. getting teary eyes. You're making me teary. <laughs> so, but sometimes that is the healing that we need. It's not necessarily physical healing that we need. We need something deeper. God heals the heart. And in this situation, that's exactly what we needed. We didn't need a physical healing. Uh, we needed a heart healing, okay? And I say we because we were, I mean, we're in it together. So that's where the healing needed to come from. And, and, the, and the amazing an awesome thing is, is that even though we don't have, we don't, you know, we don't have any uh, natural children, obviously, every one of our eight little beautiful children are not biological, but they are every one of them gifts. We don't feel, I mean, because some people will be like, well, do, do you feel, they kind of ask those awkward questions, you know, do you feel like, well, would, would you still like to have some of your, your own? It's like, well, th- these, these ones are my own. I mean, I don't know what that means, to have some of your own. These are my own. But we feel absolutely fulfilled. Not like we're missing anything. Not like I need to have, you know, biological progeny, um, or I'm not going to pass my bloodline on. Uh, if it's one thing I've ever I've learned in ministry is blood is not thicker than water. That's that's a farce. So, one thing I do know is that you can trust that God does have a plan. And he may not reveal the whys and what fors for all the different things you go through. But he, and he might reveal some, like he did for us. I think that's, I mean, we got eight whys and what fors. You know, some of the hard things we go through are designed to temper us, to strengthen us, maybe even to break us because we need to be broken. I mean, sometimes, uh, what, like scripture, a broken and contrite spirit, that's, that's sometimes how we need to, it takes for us to see God in a situation. So it's not always just as easy as, hey, God, just heal this thing, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fix it, and it's going to be better. Sometimes we have to go through those hard things to make us stronger. And, and again, I, I go back to that perspective. God has that perfect perspective to know the beginning, the middle, and the end, and how it all fits together. And, and we don't get to always see that. So we need to trust that he has it figured out. He has your, what is it they say nowadays, your best life. He's got your best life figured out for you. He's got it worked out. And if we follow his plan, seek God's perspective first. Right? Trust God even if you don't get what you want or what you're looking for. Even if it gets worse. Once you've done all of that, once you've done everything you can do, then you stand. And maybe, maybe God will reveal a little of the whys and what fors. But even if he doesn't, we continue to do the ministry that he's called us to. We continue to fight for the kingdom, to grow the kingdom, because that's what we've been called to do. And again, because we're not living for this life. We're living for eternity. I can't stress that enough. 
So with that, let's, uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, I just come before you this, this morning and we thank you, Lord, for your words. We thank you for your scripture, for the examples of, of people like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that had such a, an awesomely difficult situation, a scary situation. Their lives were on the line and they chose to follow you anyway. And you showed up in that story. You absolutely showed up. Heavenly Father, I just pray that, again, you would be again, just working on our hearts. Lord, if we have issues with, with our perspective, change our perspective so we can see what you see, so we can see maybe even just a glimpse of the why and what for of the hard things we're going through in our life. But Lord, even if we don't, even if we don't see that, Lord, help us to be able to trust. Give us the strength to trust. Lord, when other people come to us with their problems, the things they're running into, the hardships, the the losses, the unimaginable hard things, Lord, I pray that we we have the, the wisdom of what to say or not to say. Lord, that we, we, don't all, we don't just jump off with, with well, I, I think you need to do this or I think you need to do that. Lord, I pray that you give us the, the wisdom to, to say what they, what, either what they need to hear or if we need to just be silent, to help us to be silent in those situations. But that they can see from our example, from the hard things going on in our life and our ability to continue trusting you, that they would use that as an example in their own life and be like, wow, if that person's going through that hard thing, then I can do it too. Lord, I, I pray that, again, you would just help us to be a silent witness as well as a vocal witness and give us the wisdom to know which should be used and when. Lord, help us to stand for what we believe in, even if everyone around us disagrees. Help us to stand on your word. Especially, I pray for our students that are in school and there's so many people that, that don't agree with, with what, they, what they believe or don't, don't believe what they believe in. Lord, help us not to be followers. Help us to be leaders in those situations. Help us to to stand out in the crowd and not care what the crowd thinks because we know the crowd is wrong because we have the truth in, in your word and that's what we stand on. So it doesn't matter what the crowd thinks. Lord, give us the strength in those situations. And Holy Spirit, again, I just pray that you would keep each and every person, bless each and every person that's here this morning. Give them opportunities to share their, their story, to share their witness with other people or to grow the kingdom. Lord, if there's anyone in here that's, that's maybe struggling with, with any of these things, with, with their perspective, maybe, maybe they are going through hard things and it's, and it's hard to, to believe, it's hard to trust in you, it's hard to continue doing the ministry you've called them to. Lord, help them to have the strength to, to, to do all those things, to trust, to believe, and to continue the ministry that you've called them to. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Lord. Amen.